Welcome to a Sunny Side Up Life podcast, a show for the woman who is ready to live an abundant life full of freedom and positivity. I'm your host, Sammy Womack, a nationally recognized money expert, budgeting coach, and your very own hype squad. I'm on a mission to help you break free from survival mode, gain financial freedom, stay motivated, and focus on what matters most. Join the movement and let's start living on the brighter side of life together. Today's episode is brought to you by Not Another Personal Finance Podcast. Not Another Personal Finance Podcast is a personal finance podcast, but like you've never heard before. Finance content creators, podcasters, business owners, and my friends, V Weir and Haley Brown Woods discuss money management, debt payoff, savings, investing, and overall personal finance topics in a no bullshit way. They leave censorship up to other podcasters and wear direct messaging, dry humor, and foul language as badges of honor. If you're ready to start your trek to financial freedom and need some friends along the way, this podcast is for you. Check out their new season today wherever you listen to podcasts. Just a reminder that everything discussed in today's episode will be linked in the episode show notes. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Facebook at A Sunny Side Up Life. And if you're ready to take control of your money and need guided instructions, check out my free budgeting challenge by going to asunnysideuplife.com. Now let's get into the episode. Hey everyone and welcome back to another episode today. You've got just me again, but I have a really great topic that I want us to dig into. So let's jump right into it. So we're going to talk a little bit about how to stop using credit cards, maybe some of the reasons why you've gotten into credit card debt and a couple of things you can do to kind of wean yourself off of needing credit cards as your safety net. All right, so let's jump into it. So the majority of you listening to this episode, statistically 51% of you have credit card debt or have had credit card debt. I would say that number is probably a lot higher for our audience (laughs) considering that you hit play on an episode about credit cards, right? So probably most of us, let's just say most of us, right, Um, have had or currently have credit card debt. Statistics show us that 30% of Americans have between $1,000 and $1 and $5,000 in credit card debt. 15% of Americans have $5,001 or more and 6% have more than $10,000. In my experience with my clients, <laughs> 10000 is a low number. I mean, honestly, it is. I had way more than that. I had, gosh, I think we had our biggest credit card was eleven or 12000 probably when we started to pay off our debt, which means that it was more than that at one point, and that was just one credit card. So I think our total credit card debt was maybe more like 15 to 18, something like that at one point. Like that was probably the peak of it. Needless to say, there is, this is a no judgment zone. Okay. This is a no judgment zone about debt. I'm not going to tell you that you're stupid. I'm not going to tell you that debt is dumb. Not talking about anybody in particular. (laughs) 
(laughs) But it happens, okay? Those of us who live in the real world know that credit card debt happens for one reason or another, maybe a combination of several reasons, all right? It happens, especially if we start to talk about these past three years and how pretty much all of us have been in survival mode. I know that we're tired of hearing unprecedented times. Unprecedented times means that we've had to do things to survive that we didn't really plan on having to do. Not only just the fact that the majority of the people listening to this episode right now are millennials. I could go on and on talking about the student loan debt crisis. Uh, We could talk about the housing market. We could talk about a lot of things. We could talk about how flawed our healthcare system is. I mean, you know, how much time do you have, right? Not enough in this episode to talk about all of the reasons why some of us have probably went into credit card debt. And then there's the reasons of, you know, a lot of us weren't really taught a lot about good financial habits. A financial literacy wasn't something that was in front of us when we were growing up. There's, there's a lot of reasons, right? Okay, we get that. I think that none of us could have really predicted the true effects that the pandemic was going to have on us because statistics show us that 45% of Americans have taken on credit card debt in direct correlation to the pandemic. And especially no judgment if your reasoning behind taking on credit card debt was due to inflation or unemployment or sickness. This is during the pandemic or any other point in your journey. Let's let's dig into those three things specifically. So first of all, inflation. We're at a 40-year high currently for inflation. This is something that most of us have never even seen in our lifetimes. Like, it's rough. It's rough. It's hovering between 8.3 and 9.1% for inflation. That's crazy. When we do a lot of these um, these calculations for predicting for how much we're going to need for retirement, the rule of thumb is to figure in a 4% inflation rate. So that's the rule of thumb. We're currently at like 8 to 9% inflation just to give you like some perspective. <laughs> it's crazy out here. It's crazy. And the Fed has just raised interest rates again. And it's it's predicted that inflation will increase and remain bloated at least until the at least until 2023. So for the rest of this year, for sure. You know, maybe next year, it's hard to know for sure what things are going to, how things are going to go. And as of this recording, food is up 11.4%. I mean, I probably don't have to tell you that food is up. Like I, every single one of my clients, I don't know, my grocery budget, I just, no matter what I set for my grocery budget, I just keep going over grocery budget. Yeah, you're not alone in that at all. Transportation is up by 11%. Shelter is up by 6%. The housing market is insane. It's just, it's a lot going on. And then let's talk about employment. At the height of the pandemic, unemployment was at almost 15%, the highest rate observed since data has been collected since 1948. For sure, within our lifetime, right? 
it's crazy. This has led to not being able to pay rent or mortgages, you know, struggling to buy food, all the things. Because, you know, the U.S. healthcare system is tied to employment. Millions of people have lost their health insurance, which has likely played into more sickness. It's just a vicious circle, uh, a vicious chain of events that happen in these situations. And the unemployment benefit system is a mess. Uh, it's unreliable. If you've ever experienced it, I hope that you haven't had to because it's a disaster. <laughs> I've had several clients who have not received any unemployment checks until literally months after filing. Sometimes I have a couple of clients in mind when saying this, sometimes they didn't get any unemployment benefits until they had already secured another job. Like that doesn't help. It's supposed to help in the in-between times. And it's so backed up. The system is so flawed that they don't receive anything. And then of course, how are you going to feed your family? What are you, how are you going to pay your bills? You have to grab a credit card. You have to go into debt. You have to not pay things. You have to borrow money from friends and family, whatever the case is, because what else are you going to do? You know, what else are you going to do? And in these cases, I've actually sat with my clients and advised the cl my clients to purposely use their credit cards to help them keep their head above water. Because most of us are like, no, I don't want to have to intentionally go into debt, especially after setting up a budget and doing all this intentional work and hustling to pay extra towards debt, then an unemployment situation pops up unexpectedly most of the time, right? And the last thing you want to do is have to go back into credit card debt. But I've sat with my clients and advised them, hey, if this is your last option, you know, you got to do what you got to do. What are you supposed to do? And we make a plan and then we're like, okay, well, when you um, get back to work, when, you're, when your partner gets back to work or when your unemployment checks finally get sent to you, you know, we'll make a plan and we'll, we'll play catch up. That's just real life. It happens. Yeah. <laughs> Insert gasp. Yes, it's true. I have advised my clients sometimes to intentionally use their credit cards. Uh, the third factor that we see a lot, especially during this pandemic, obviously has been sickness. We've had 95 million reported cases of COVID, um, over a million reported deaths, likely much higher. You know, obviously, we don't know all the things. Um, obviously, people couldn't work. And it's not just the people who directly who get sick. It's not even just the people who get hospitalized. It's, you know, the the quarantine period. It's the obviously you feel awful period of time. And then it's a lot of times someone has to be um, has to do the caretaking in the situation. So, you know, if your partner was to get sick, then you're the one that has to do the caretaking for them. If there's children in the household, you know, take care of the household itself. Someone has to buy the groceries, you know, and that could affect if you're if the other person is able to work like it's a whole situation. It's a sad situation all the way around and it puts people in a bind. And this, this isn't just COVID related. This isn't just pandemic related. We see this 
as a result of all kinds of sickness all the time, not just during the pandemic. This was actually something that happened with my own family. When my dad got sick with lung cancer, he was the income provider for the family and he ran his own business. He didn't have, you know, a lot of the like, well, you know, paid, paid time off or these certain benefits. He ran his own business. He was his own boss. If he didn't go to work, you know, the business didn't happen. Um, and one of the plans, the, the, basically the only thing at one point towards the end for them to do was intentionally go into credit card debt. And that's just what they did. And I know that my dad got a lot of the credit cards intentionally in his own name. And, you know, your credit card debt is only going to exist as long as you're alive. So you can kind of put two and two together that Honestly, that was like the only thing to do. And that's a reality for a lot of people. And it's really sad. Uh, but it's it's a very harsh reality, right? But going back to the pandemic, the pandemic significantly increased the number of people that were financially affected by inflation, unemployment, and sickness even more so than normal and since March of 2020, nearly half of all Americans have taken on more credit card debt, this survey found. Of course, we'll have all these surveys linked for you in the show notes. If you're curious and want to read more about them, all of these um, resources will be linked in the show notes. But individuals who carry credit card balance from month to month are more than twice as likely to report having more debt now than before the pandemic. And even if you had like a one month or three months or even a six month emergency fund, you likely just weren't financially pre prepared for what occurred. I mean, I don't think that any of us, when we first went into like COVID lockdowns, we didn't think that we were going to be here like three years later, still talking about it, still affected by it financially, emotionally, psychologically, like all the things, we just, I think, really, really underestimated it, which makes credit card debt <laughs> understandable. And for some of you was more than likely a saving grace. Like, like I said about my own family's situation, we basically didn't have a choice. And obviously, while I don't advocate for credit card debt in normal times, I'm up for whatever you have to do to keep your family afloat, keep a roof above your head, keep food in your bellies, you know, whatever you have to do. Obviously, sometimes we have to just survive. And this other statistic shows us that only about four in 10 Americans have enough savings to cover an, un an unplanned expense of $1,000. Only four out of 10 have enough to cover $1,000. And those of us who live in the real world know that most emergencies are easily $1,000 or more, meaning that half of people would need to find means to pay for an unexpected repair, car repair, or emergency room visit. And this survey was taken in January of 2022. So this was pretty recent. And with that being said, if the statistics are accurate, the majority of Americans need to focus on paying down debt 
and getting back on track with our finances, right? Especially if you are joining us here in this audience. Hopefully you can benefit from some of this, right? So like I said, I'm not a full-on credit cards are the worst thing in the world. Um, You might have heard me say on a past episode that my husband and I personally, we just got our own credit cards again. We had taken a really, really long break from having credit cards since we very first decided that we were going to get out of debt because honestly, lots of reasons. We just weren't in a good financial mindset to like trust ourselves with credit cards, but we've grown, which we've healed, (laughs) right? Credit cards can be a very strategic financial tool. You can get a lot out of them if done correctly. Obviously, rewards if, um, you know, you are strategic in which credit cards you use. I have a lot of clients who are like, yeah, I have an Old Navy card or a Target card or Nordstrom's card, Costco. Those are some pretty popular ones that clients will have and they just will use them for that one particular shopping trip. They'll get home, they'll pay them off. Cool. Awesome. You get rewards. Obviously there's travel hacking that you can do. Um, I love, there's so many great people that you can follow on Instagram about travel hacking. Um, I love aunt Kara. I had her on the podcast a long time ago. I can link to that episode for you guys. She's one of my favorite. I just love the way she breaks it down, but obviously there are tons of great people you can follow on Instagram. I'm not a travel hacking expert. I'm still learning about it. I did recently get the card that we got is the capital one. Uh, Venture X card, I believe. Yeah, I was right. I hit pause to go and look. (laughs) But yeah, it's the Capital One Venture X card. It has really great travel hacking possibilities. I can do my referral link in the show notes for you guys. I get like a little bonus if you use it. I've been super happy with it. Obviously, if you're not in a great mindset for it, don't use it, obviously. Um, also increasing your credit score. Let's be honest. There's a lot of benefits of increasing your credit score. Your credit score does matter. It does affect, obviously, if you're buying a house or a car or even renting, it can be affected by your, your insurance can be affected by it. There's lots of jobs that take your credit score into account. So there are lots of really smart ways that you can start to build your credit score, be responsible about it. If that's something that is important to you, which it probably is, right? And another thing that credit cards can be really helpful with is doing balance transfers. A lot of times you can get 0% APR balance transfers for a limited amount of time. Sometimes you can get like six months or a year or something like that. Not always. Sometimes the balance transfer you have to settle for is just like a lower interest rate, depending on your credit score and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Maybe 0% isn't available to you, but it's worth a shot to do a little research, dig around a little bit. Um, I advise my clients to do this a lot of times because that interest rate 
can just kill you sometimes. And sometimes you're paying your minimum payment and all it's really going towards is interest. So obviously there's not a one size fits all solution here. And you really have to check your mindset because uh, what's the best way to say this? Sometimes just moving one credit card balance from over here with a high interest rate credit card to a 0% interest rate credit card and then kind of just like wiping your hands clean and being like, yep, I really accomplished something cool. Now I don't have to work on my mindset or my spending behaviors. Like that's just not the best solution. <laughs> Obviously, it can be super helpful to get a lower interest rate. But it's not the end all be all, right? So you still have to work on your mindset. You still have to work on your spending habits. But it can be really effective on getting your debt paid down quicker. So you still have to work on all the other stuff. But it can be really beneficial. So if you're someone who's paying a high interest rate, and I'm talking like a double digit. I have some clients that are paying like 10% to like 28%. I think is probably the highest I've seen. That's really high, you guys. <laughs> Do some research and find, try to find a balance transfer. Even sometimes it's a personal loan. I actually just helped a client with that last week, kind of do the math. She was able to get a personal loan for like 17%, I think, which still isn't very, which obviously is still really high. But I think she was paying like 24 or 26% interest with her credit card. So the, we did the math and it was worth it for her to do that balance transfer, which is also something I could help you with in one-on-one -on -one coaching. Um, if you need kind of a second opinion, we could, you know, sit down and do the math and stuff like that. But yeah, so credit cards can be super beneficial, but they can also be a slippery slope. So like I said, you have to have your mindset in the right place to have a healthy relationship with credit cards. You have to check your spending issues. Um, if you have any unhealed financial trauma, you have to work through it. So like my personal story, you know, we took a break for several, several years. We just weren't in a good place to be responsible with credit cards. Now we are, and we are kind of taking like, small steps into having a credit card again because we have this goal of going on a really great vacation for our 15th anniversary and we're staying focused on that goal we're not paying interest on our credit card we've automated it's mostly bills we've done a few big purchases we've paid a few like unexpected medical bills things like that and we pay it off every two weeks so we haven't paid any interest and we're trying to be very careful and very responsible, but it's still a very much of a healing from financial trauma kind of situation with us. So we're like holding ourselves very, very accountable. I've tried to share a lot about it to like have you guys kind of hold me accountable. And it's a whole thing, right? It's a whole thing. So one of the biggest things is like we don't want to pay that interest rate. We definitely don't want to pay interest on these credit cards. And I've sat with clients and done the math on, you know, it could take like a thousand years. I mean, like seriously, go and do the math on if you only pay the minimum payments on your credit card, 
how long it's going to take you to get it paid off. A recent survey found that 55% of people carry a credit card balance from month to month. 40% haven't been credit card debt-free since before 2018, and 15% haven't been credit card debt-free since before 2006. That's crazy. I personally love to use the Easy Budget Debt Snowball Calculator for my clients. I use this all the time, especially for people that have several credit cards and their question is like, okay, but what order do I pay them off in? And it's not always like we love the different debt payoff methods, right? We love the snowball, which is like where you pay the smallest balance first. So you kind of get like that quick win, you build up that momentum or the avalanche method where you pay off the highest interest because hello, math, right? <laughs> Or there's some hybrid kind of methods where you pay the highest monthly payment off first because like we're doing our best to make it from paycheck to paycheck. So we need to free up as much extra money monthly as possible. Or maybe it's more of an emotional situation like you owe your sister money or your coworker or somebody who's like it's making it uncomfortable that you owe them money or it's like the IRS and they are like, don't owe the IRS money, right? Don't, don't owe money on your taxes. Like it's awful. Um, so if it's a situation like that, or it's like your property taxes and they're threatening to foreclose on your house or something time sensitive, sometimes you want to push, push that to the beginning. I, I mean, so there's lots of different kind of ways that you could go about this order to pay things off. And so I love using this debt snowball calculator. Again, I'll link it in the show notes for you guys. It's an affiliate link that I have. I think it's like eight bucks or something, but it's totally worth it. You can use it multiple times. It does like all that math for you. I use it even though I, I like I could sit down and do all that math, but it's an amazing tool. So let's just use it. And what you can do is you can plug all your numbers in, your balances, your interest rates, all that stuff. It'll do all that math for you. So it'll tell you how long until you're debt free if you only pay the minimums. Um, then the really cool feature is you can go in and say, well, what if I pay an extra $100 a month? And you can take note of how much time that saves you and how much money that saves you in interest paid. Then you can go in and change it. Okay, well, what if I pay $200 extra a month? What if I pay $500 extra a month? What if I pay a thousand? Whatever you want it to be. And you can just, what I do is I will literally just take notes for my client. Be like, okay, if minimums only paid, it'll be like 17 years until you're debt free. It'll be $18,000 in interest. Well, what if we pay an extra hundred? It would be X number of years, X dollars of interest paid. And, and just make a little chart. That's super motivating because you're like, oh, wow, it's going to save me, I don't know, five years if I can come up with an extra $300 a month. All of a sudden, you can get really motivated to find an extra $300 a month. It's just, it's super, super helpful. And then you can also go in and like switch the order of credit cards to see what would be the most beneficial way to pay them off. And it's just really eye-opening to go in, do that math, kind of get your hands on the numbers, just start digging into your budget and then make a plan and then follow it. And also you can always change the plan later. So if you 
start with the snowball to like get the quick win and then you decide six months in, hey, I want to switch it up to the avalanche method or whatever you want to do, you can always do that. There's not like a police that's going to come and be like, oh, you didn't pay him off in the right order. So it's up to you. It's a super empowering thing to do because you've done the math. You've got your hands on your budget. You've dug into your numbers. You've made a plan and you've taken action in your own life. Super, super empowering. So I'm a budgeting coach and every day I help real people set up their real budgets. And in order to do this successfully, I designed a one of a kind budgeting system for everyone. The digital budgeting system is a set of digital worksheets that are perfect for any and every family's budgeting needs from beginners to pros. If you want an automated, color coordinated, simplified and gorgeous way to organize your money, then you're in the right place. This is a simple six tab spreadsheet system hosted through Google Sheets full of formulas and shortcuts to make your budgeting life easier, as well as a how-to video to help you get it all set up. The best part, it's only 20 bucks. Visit asunnysideuplife.com slash budgeting or find the direct link in the show notes to get yours today. In the second part of this episode, I want us to talk about solutions. So obviously we can't plan for things like pandemics or illnesses or job loss, but we can do what we can do to prepare at least as much as humanly possible. Obviously there are always going to be things that are out of our control and that come up, but these are a couple of things that we can do. So first of all, we can build up that emergency fund. I know a lot of people say $1,000, and $1,000 is a great place to start, but it is not a place to stop. $1,000 is not very much money in today's world. So I would say, yeah, sure, that's a really great like first step to your emergency fund. Honestly, even for us we started with a $500 emergency fund because when we first started, we had, we didn't even actually have a savings account open. We literally had <laughs> a non-existent savings account. So a thousand dollars was, I, I just didn't have, I had never had that much money just like laying around with no purpose. And I thought, who just has a thousand dollars just laying around? It seemed like a lot of money to me at the time. So we started with 500 and then we just kept working up and working up and over time. And now, honestly, that we've been doing this for so many years, our emergency fund, uh, is it like, I think 22,000 right now, 20 is like my minimum. And I will get uncomfortable if it's below 20 at this point, obviously, we're like nine years into our journey. Okay. Obviously we own our home. We pay cash for our vehicles, like still $20,000. Like, yes, it is a significant amount of money, but <laughs> it's still, I'm just like, ah, maybe a little bit more. So I do think, which is probably could be a whole another episode. So we won't get into it too much, but I do think you can have too much money in savings. I've had clients that come into budgeting, um, that come into budget coaching and they're like, I have 40,000 or 50,000 like floating around in my checking account. And I'm like, eh, that's kind of a lot to just kind of have with no purpose. 
So I do think that there is like a breaking point where it's like, yeah, you should probably just have that money invested somewhere, even if it's like a brokerage account that you could get to, like not necessarily a retirement account. But that's probably a whole nother episode. So $1,000 is a great place to start, but it's not a place to stop. So if you have to tap into this emergency fund, like say you've built it up to like 3000 you lose your job, you're in between jobs for like two months, right? $3,000 is going to disappear in the blink of an eye. So at that point, we would pause extra debt payments and we would pull all our resources to build that emergency fund back up. That's our safety net. Because if you don't have that emergency fund as your safety net, what are you going to do? You're going to grab a credit card. Sometimes that is our only solution. So if that's happened, obviously I'm not going to shame you for it. I'm not going to pick on you for it, but let's do our best to have a safety net above our credit card safety net. So you've got like, you got your first safety net, which is an, an emergency fund underneath that. It can be your credit card. Obviously it's better than going hungry, but let's try to build up a little space in between us and needing a credit card next time something comes up. If it's only $1,000, if it's only $3,000, that's better than nothing. That's amazing, right? And I think depending on your situation and your goals in mind, you can continue to pay off debt and simultaneously build your emergency fund. I've, I've advised a lot of clients to do this. So you get to like that, like maybe it's your second level of emergency fund goal. Like your first is a thousand and you're like, okay, once I hit a thousand, then I'm going to try to get it to 3000. You know, you're somewhere in there or something. Um, you've got maybe that first thousand and you're like, all right, cool. You know, I'm going to keep saving monthly towards savings. And I'm also going to throw a little bit extra towards debt. Like sometimes you can simultaneously do, do both. It's really hard to give a one-size-fits-all solution without seeing all of the other components of your budget, but it can be done, and it can be done well. One of the best ways to do this is to pick kind of a small to medium amount, which depending on your income level, it could be like $50 to $500 a month. And you can automate the savings amount. This is a really great way to do it. Schedule an automatic transfer from your checking account to your savings account. It can be every single time you get paid. If you get paid like 1st and 15th or something. Or you get paid bi-weekly. Or it could just be once a month. You just pick an arbitrary day and send the transfer over. Some people are like, we'll do it on the 10th or the 15th or something like that. And so... But you're like, wait, how much can I afford to save? So the best thing to do is to plan out your budget roughly, which would be like your income minus your bills and your spending, the necessities, what's left over. And then once you see what's left over and you've done this over the course of like a year, you can see a really good pattern of where you can kind of fit in these savings transfers. Sometimes you'll see hey, I have more money on this part of the month versus the other. Usually it's like the opposite 
time of the month that we pay our rent or our mortgage. So a lot of people, it's like the second half of the month because the first half of the month usually gets hit with rent or mortgage. That's not always the case. Some people, their bills are pretty even throughout the month or some people do a monthly budget. Again, there's not a one size fits all. So plan out your budget, income minus bills and spending and then see what's left over. See how much you could save and send to debt. Could you do both? Um, where does this fit in time-wise? Again, if this is something that you could use help with, this is definitely something that I can help you with in coaching. I know it seems really overwhelming and it's really hard to explain in a couple of minutes in a podcast episode or even in a generic Instagram post. But on one-on-one coaching, you know, we spend 12 weeks. We set up worksheets. I see literally every single aspect of your budget. And I can help you figure out exactly when and exactly how much to do. So if that's something you're interested in, there are links in the show notes. But you could definitely do this yourself. Just a little bit of math and kind of trial and error and figuring out what works for you. Um, the second thing... The second solution to needing credit cards is to contribute to your sinking funds. So most of the things that people grab a credit card for can be planned for in advance. Obviously not everything, but a lot of things. Sinking funds aren't perfect. They're not ever going to be 100% perfect. No aspect of your budget is. They do get better over time. I tell my clients the first year they're going to be a little messy. You're going to be kind of figuring out what you need for sinking funds, what categories you need, how much you need. The second year, they're going to be really good. Like it's just going to take some time. It's just going to take some trial and error. It's just going to take some unexpected things coming up and you'd be like, man, I wish I would have had money for that. Let me put it on my list. So I'll have it next time it comes up. These categories for sinking funds are things like holidays, Vehicle and home repairs, medical expenses, clothes, kids' activities, vacations, pets. These could be like pet emergencies or just regular pet like checkups and all the expenses that come with having a pet. It could be large annual expenses like taxes or insurance or registration fees. There's a lot of things that you could put in your sinking funds. So make a list of these things, get a total, and divide that number by how often you get paid. So it could be like 24 or 26 or something like that. Or if you want to just do it monthly, you know, just divide it by 12. A really good rule of thumb is thinking about, like if you're having trouble with sinking funds, it's thinking about, okay, well, I want $1,200 for my Christmas budget. I'm going to contribute once a month. You know, I'm going to set $100 a month aside. When Christmas happens, I'll have my $1,200, right? But you can do this for more than just Christmas. You can do this for a lot of things. And this number can be pretty big. It can be a few thousand sometimes per month. But the thing is, is that the higher your sinking funds are, a lot of times the lower your regular weekly or monthly spending can be because your sinking funds encompass a lot of things. So then your spending really only has to be for like gas and groceries and restaurants, a little bit of fun money. Everything else kind of just gets consumed by your sinking funds. 
And a really great thing to do is if you can to set up automatic transfers for your sinking funds as well. We personally have ours set up at $305 every single two weeks. And it just goes automatically on payday. I don't even have to think about it. Some people's are much, much higher. Some people's are lower. It, like Again, there's not a one size fits all. But it's a really good thing to do because, again, it's going to be another level of safety net where you don't have to pull a credit card when your kids hit a growth spurt and need a whole bunch of new clothes or you have to make an emergency visit to the vet or you need your car towed or like, oh, man, Christmas snuck up on me or any of these things. Right. Um, so it can be super, super helpful. Again, this is something that we work on in coaching or if you get my digital budgeting system worksheets, the worksheets will help you kind of work through kind of setting up your categories and it'll help you do the math and all of that. Third and last thing is to take a break from using credit cards while you're trying to pay off the balance. So like I said, I'm not totally against credit cards, but it can make it really hard to make progress on getting that debt balance gone if you're still continuously adding to it. So I know a lot of people that are like, well, I have like a lot of bills automated on my credit card or, you know, I use my card for spending for safety reasons or for my travel rewards or for cash back or whatever it is. I totally get that. And again, there's not a one size fits all. But it is, it is really hard to make a dent in that debt. And it can be a really big blow to morale when you're like, well, I just paid like $2,000 toward my balance but racked up another $1,000 worth of debt in the last two weeks because bills went on there. It can be really hard. So what you can do is you can kind of keep like one or two credit cards and that you like automate bills with on one and the other one you use for spending or maybe you just keep one and you just automate bills and you're like no I'm going to take a little break from putting my spending on credit cards for a little while and I'm going to just use my debit card just until just until the balance is gone and then you can go back to like getting those rewards and stuff once you've kind of broken that habit of keeping a running balance because we don't want you to pay interest like think about the interest that you're paying we don't want to make the credit card companies any richer definitely not that's money that you could be using for fun stuff or building your emergency fund we definitely don't want that so you can put those cards in the drawer don't add anything to them until they're paid off and that could be things like your store cards, you know, like your Target card or your Old Navy card or your Nordstrom's card or whatever it is. And like, sure, we can get those rewards later. Or maybe we just stop using them all together because we're like, it's not worth like getting out of hand. <laughs> it's not worth building up that debt again. So sometimes we do need to take just a little bit of a break from them to really get that debt gone because I've had so many clients that are like, no, 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 I can juggle it. I can juggle it. I can pay 2000 and only rack up 1000 and And then after a couple months, they're like, you know what? This is really discouraging. And they have to kind of take a break for a little bit. Okay, so 
those are my three tips for helping you to stop relying on credit cards, build yourself that safety net. Again, just to recap, building that emergency fund, contributing to sinking funds, maybe taking a little break from using credit cards, even in the name of rewards, if that's what you need to do to get those balances under control. We don't want you to be a statistic. We don't want you to have another bill to pay. We don't want you to make the credit card companies any richer by paying them an obscene amount of money in interest, okay? We want you to be able to keep that money in your pocket, do something fun with it like go on vacation or build your emergency fund. All right, so I hope that this was helpful and I will talk to you guys next time. Thanks for hanging out for another episode of a Sunny Side Up Life podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend and leave a review. Five-star reviews are what help the podcast grow. Don't forget to check out the episode show notes for links to everything that we talked about today, as well as tons of free resources to help you on your financial independence journey, like my monthly newsletter, budgeting challenges, fun downloads, and more. Head over to asunnysideuplife.com to get started. And if you want to keep up with me in the day-to-day, don't forget to follow me on social media at a sunny side up life. Well, that's all for me this week. Bye guys.